Welcome one, welcome all to the latest Blog of the Boys Roundtable. It is Tuesday, October 4th, 2022, 7.01 p.m. Central Time on the dot. We are one minute late. We are live on the Blog of the Boys YouTube channel for our aforementioned roundtable. You can watch us live on the Blog of the Boys YouTube channel. You can watch us after the fact. Of course, you can listen to us on the Blog of the Boys podcast network. Make sure to read blogofthaboys.com. All these platforms are places that you can see and hear all these wonderful people. My name is Arjo Ochoa. Joining me tonight, going in clockwise order, as always, all of these gentlemen vying for tonight's BTB Roundtable crown. Tony Catalina, I would like everyone to give us a random word as they are introduced. Tony, on the spot early, give us a random word. Curmudgeon. Okay, I missed to start off. Tom Ryle, the top right corner, uh, one of the OGs when it comes to bloggingtheboys.com. Tom, your random word. Scurrilous. Okay. All right. Nobody needs to spell anything. If not, there would have been a little bit of pressure right there. David Howman joining us as well, all the way from, well, yeah, I'm not going to dox him and tell you where he's living. I, I could give you his social security number, but Howman, your random word. Flummox. Okay. All right. I like everybody's uh, kind of trashing Tony, including Brandon Clements. I don't know your word, but I'm sure it is better. Uh, some people say the, the better Boston Red Sox fan around these parts. Brandon, your random word. Superfluous. All right. And finally, LP Cruz joining us, one of the newer additions to our blog and the boys staff. LP came in. He has a 1000% hitting percentage when it comes to winning BTV roundtable crowns. LP, your random word. Flawless. Okay, simple. I love it. All right. We have a lot to get to. Um, Tom, I want to let you know that AJ has said yes. Tom is on in the comments. Um, How are you feeling about the fact that the crowd is rooting for you? Um. Slightly uneasy. I prefer to be the underdog. Um, Well, I don't know how this conversation is going to go. We have one major topic that we're going to get into today because you guys couldn't stop from arguing amongst yourselves in our Slack channel earlier today. I kept thinking, just save it for the discussion. Y'all chill. Y'all be cool. Tony Catalina is the one who was the most worked up. We have some separate subjects that we're going to get to that are a little bit more vague. But the, the topic, I hate to say, of the day, of the hour, of the time, Um, Of course, we cannot just have a cool winning streak. It has to be annoying and laced with stupidity and laced with argument, whatever. Who knows what's going on? The question, why is Dak Prescott and Cooper Rush a thing? I couldn't think of what to put here, so I just thought to put this. This is just the way everyone views it, Dak, Rush, whatever. I mean, it's a stupid thing that is a thing. Um, So show of hands before we get started here. Who is of the mindset that Cooper Rush should remain the quarterback of this team. And this is the way Tony took it in the chat when Dak Prescott is healthy. Presuming that happens sometime in the next week or so, it's been reported by the Dallas Morning News he won't play on Sunday in Los Angeles. So the earliest we're talking about here is next Sunday in Philadelphia. Show of hands, who thinks Cooper Rush should be that guy? Because all of you have your hands down, and that was not what was happening in the chat earlier on. So now everybody has backed off. Tony, you were the one most fired up about this. Your thoughts in general on this whole conversation. I think it's ridiculous. I think it's just, um, I, I just don't understand. I don't understand what this fan base is looking at. And, you know, I found myself fighting on these Twitter streets by myself, um, TikTok, Instagram, anywhere anybody would bring up the Cooper Rush thing. Um, I found myself um, in an argument with people about it. Dak Prescott is the quarterback of this football team. We are so lucky that Cooper Rush is able to keep this thing on the tracks, but that's all it is. Cooper Rush is literally just doing his job. I'm, I'm, I'm actually floored that people think that Cooper Rush should keep this job. The second Dak Prescott gets a green light medically, it's over. The Rush thing, it's done. You tag him out, he's over. Rush, I appreciate you. I hope we don't see you again for the rest of the season, but you did your job. And that's kind of where I'm at with that. All right, Tom has raised his hand. I think this is where the dissension begins. Thomas. Yeah, Yeah. the whole thing is healthy is the wrong way to put it. It's when Dak Prescott is ready. Don't forget, just because his hand is in great shape, he needs to have probably at least a couple of solid weeks of practice so he is good to go. And those solid weeks of practice can't start until after he's completely healthy. That's why I think we're looking at past the Eagles game. I think they're going to have to give him time to get back into the game flow, to get, you know, just get a little bit of rust knocked off. And, and that is where the whole thing is. There's no reason to rush him back 
you don't have him going through a full speed practice until he's 100% cleared medically. And please keep the Miami Dolphin doctors away from this question at all costs. And once he is completely healthy, then I think he needs a good, solid two weeks of practice. Fortunately, we've got Cooper, Mr. Perfect Rush, carrying the, the load, and we don't have to worry about any rush on him. How many? I mean. Um, well, I would, uh, I would definitely tend to lean more towards Tony here. Um, and I think, I mean, Tom makes a good point about, you know, making sure that Dak is ready, but at the same time, like Dak is Dak. Like when he is, when he's able to grip the ball and he goes through a week of practice, like he's, he's going to be good. Uh, he knows this offense inside and out. He's been on the sidelines with a headset on, uh, hearing all the different nuances that have gone through with Cooper Rush under center. Uh, and one thing I'll just point out, like Cooper Rush has played well, but through four games, he's got an EPA per play of 0.144. Dak Prescott last year, even through his slump, which was by EPA per play, his worst year since Kellen Moore started calling plays, he has still had an EPA per play of 0.149, still higher than Cooper Rush when he's going 4-0. So Dak Prescott is a much better quarterback. Rush has done his job. He's kept the team afloat. But when Dak is ready and he goes through practice, uh, he's definitely the better choice. Brandon, Will Nico says in the chat, Cooper Rush is like a guy that's taking care of your dog while you're in the Bahamas. So look at you, Brandon. Now you've uh, you've made it to the Bahamas. Good for you and the fam. Thanks for taking care of Rover. Um, do you feel this way? You're back. Rover is your dog. I mean, who cares that Rover has bonded with the, the temporary babysitter, so to speak? I'm, I'm actually going to roll with Tom on this one. I think why, I mean, the bye week is nine this, this year. So there's two games in between now and then in particular that I'm not that worried about. I'm not worried about Chicago. I'm definitely not worried about Chicago. They got a lot of issues there anyways. I think we can win the game without Cooper Rush to begin or with Cooper Rush to begin with. We don't need Dak in that game. The Lions, I think, are very beatable with Cooper Rush. I mean, is it worth it to rush him back at this point? I mean, I don't think so. I think you can – I mean, would I like to see him back against Philly? Of course I would. But I, 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 to Tom's point, I would like to see a, a little bit of practice time. Let's, let's see how that hand is really doing. Let's see him grip a football. Let's get at least – I'd say a week, maybe not two, but maybe a full week of practice just to get things ready to go, just make sure he's, he's healthy enough to play. And then when he's ready, we'll go. I just – to me, it's week nine. I, I, you know, I would wait maybe till, till the, to the 10th game, which is uh, – I think that's the Green Bay game. So, I mean, that would be a good time to play. LP, this feels somewhat reminiscent of Tony Romo breaking his pinky in 2008 and the Cowboys kind of being in this weird place. And, you know, he's back. He's not right. He's not healthy. It's all associated with grip. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, at the time, Brad Johnson was the Cowboys backup quarterback, so not necessarily Cooper Rush. But it was the same in that it wasn't this obvious threat to him towards supplanting him, at least as the franchise quarterback. Um We've got two votes on either side of this. So you're, you're here to be the voice of reason and the voice that breaks it. So it's how you set the question up for me, right? You mentioned the pinky with Romo back in 2008. And I remember they played against the Rams. And the Rams were a terrible team back then. The same way you guys talk about the Rams. Oh, yeah, the Lions are, are – it's a winnable game. Oh, they'll beat the Bears. Yeah, the Rams were a beatable game too. And they went out and they got washed by the Rams while Tony st- stood there in uniform with a headset and a wrap on his pinky. So for me, if the guy can play and I trust that quarterback, I'm sorry, Dak Prescott's judgment, if he can play, I trust my quarterback, I'm going to play him. I don't take mm. games for granted. I don't sit there and let things happen. And let's, oh, let's wait and see. Uh, and maybe we'll spout on it more later on. But you talk about these games are winnable. Well, guess what? Look around the NFC. They're winning games too. The Giants are 3-1. and one. So the same teams that we could beat, so could the Giants. So could the Eagles. So could the Packers. So the games are limited. So if we get to a, a tight competition here, we take the next game for granted, and then you lose with Dak Prescott or without Dak Prescott, you're down three, three and three to six and oh. Not a good look there. So I don't take I do nothing th- for granted. I do think that we've placed this heavier level of importance on these next two weeks because the Rams are viewed as this, you know, perennial threat because they won the Super Bowl last year, the Eagles for obvious reasons. But the Lions are a wild card contender, right? Like we all think they're gonna be in mm-hmm. the mix. And so a loss there is is pivotal, right? Like that that's a tiebreaker right there. I, I think we're all willing to, you know, accept that the Bears are, are not gonna be in the mix um, you know, come December and January. So Tom, Brandon, this question's for you. Tom, you can go first. Does the calculus for you change? If say the Eagles lost on Sunday at Arizona and Dallas won, say you know, say Dallas and, and Philadelphia are both four and one, 
or, or, or whatever. Like, can the calculus change for you any way, any loss or anything like that? Or do you feel this way no matter what, based on the fact that Cooper has already given the Cowboys some house money, so to speak, Tom? Uh, my, to me, the calculus should not change based on records or who the opponent is. It should all be a medical decision on is Dak really healthy? And as I said, I, I watched what happened with the Miami Dolphins and how they put a man's health, life, well-being at risk by saying he was good to go when he clearly wasn't. And I, I'm hoping the Cowboys have a better, better medical staff than that. And it's a far less serious issue, obviously. But they need to make sure they've got this hand right, that Dak is fully healthy, then let him practice. And, you know, if he has any twinges at all, then they really need to tap the brakes and let him have a few more days to heal. I hope it doesn't happen. And if he's a 100% ready to go by the time the Eagles roll up, then, yeah, play him. I just – I am questioning if he's going to be fully 100% at that point, and I don't want them to push it at all. Brandon, does the calculus change for you at all? No, doesn't change one bit. And just to kind of add, uh, add to Tom, uh, Tom's point about Tua, the Tua situation, there were different players on the Cowboys that were asked these questions. So how, how do you feel the medical staff has treated you and treated your stuff seriously? And they've all said, yeah, the Cowboys staff has done a great job. And, I mean, I think, I think that goes a long way as well. And, and here's, here's the other point. It, 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 it's, it's kind of a hybrid approach. I, I agree with Tom. The health is the most important thing. Absolutely. We want to make sure he's good to go 100%. Now, it's also the fact that the Cowboys are 3-1 and one, and Cooper Rush has won three in a row. So that gives us a little bit of a cushion. So in case there's a, you know, a loss or two here and there between, between now and Friday potentially, 3-3, three and three, I'll, I would have taken that after Dak was hurt week one. So that's where, that's where I stand. Tony, um, I think it's fair to say that we've seen Dak push himself, right? And so I, I think it's fair to say at what point LP said, I trust Dak. I think we all give Dak the benefit of the doubt, but we all understand he's a fierce enough competitor, whatever cliche you want to apply here towards – the, or to, to the idea that he might push himself the way he did last year, the shoulder strain situation. So, I mean, there is some logic to saying, you know what, let's be overly cautious. Again, we have the house money. We have the time to burn. You know, again, to LP's point, every win, every game matters. The margin will be thinner come December and January. But is that not lurking at least just a little bit in the back of your mind that Dak did push himself just a year ago? I think they kind of answered that question for us. I think if he came back early and was in for this Rams game, that's Dak Prescott trying to push the envelope because that's like a four-week timeline between surgery and this. But when we look at it, because he's missed four games, he's actually going to be sitting out five if he gets that Eagles game because it's much closer to the fifth week of actual time off. So he's right in that window. If you believe anything they say that he was going to be out for four to six weeks, if he plays in that Eagles game, he in theory had five weeks between game action. So... I don't think that the Cowboys are going to do anything to put him in danger. And I think it comes down to, and we've already seen Jerry and Steven say it's a fundamental strength thing. It's a, it's a, it's all about his hand and how it heals because they have a plate in there. The, the, the bone doesn't need to completely heal that like, to, in order for him to be functional, the, the plate in there and everything and the screws is going to keep it stabilized. It's going to be about gripping, gripping the football and being able to have the fundamental strength to play in a game. I think the team stopped him from doing it. I think I truly believe that he wanted to come back for this Rams game and, and try to be this was the warm up because I think he understands how important that Eagles game is next week. And, you know, and like I said, th this is a good, co uh, good training staff. And I think they kind of stopped him from, from kind of going too fast for himself. LP, Tony mentioned what Jerry and Steven said. I think it's been really interesting to, to kind of read the tea leaves here, like Professor Trelawney and Harry Potter, and, and look at this and say, over the last few weeks, Jerry has backed off. I mean, at the very beginning of this, it was, he might be back for the Commanders game. And now it's like, mm -hmm. this today, this morning, I wonder if I do the fan, Jerry comes out and says he can't grip a ball. I mean, like, what, what has happened here? Do you think this is maybe like, let's just all be cool, let's all be cautious? Or, I mean, like, it is, it is notable. For Jerry Jones, I think, to say that. that that's not something for us to you know, make a big mountain out of, but it's not completely insignificant either. I won't say that it's insignificant, but I do know that uh, Jerry, at the end of the day, is a salesman. That's his whole pitch is to sell. And I think what happened was after he got hurt, you saw the ticket sales for the Bengals. So I had to sell optimism and hope. And look, I'll buy that you know, by the bushel. But the key is, though, once they realize that, okay, maybe we can kind of take this back a little bit because – 
he kind of changed it too, not so much with the Prescott injury and the timetable, but it changed based on when it's been games now, what if Cooper Rush is playing this well or that well? So I felt like he may have segued or pivoted what his point was to sell optimism. And I can't fault him for that. And maybe the timeline was always the Eagles or maybe beyond that. So to Tony's point, maybe that was the whole timeline. Dak was just being Dak Prescott. So I see it as he didn't maybe change anything or he changed his tune, but maybe he just had his narratives built in in case something were to happen. And here we are. Hellman, um, you, like me, are somebody who believes that Mike McCarthy's not getting enough credit. I actually would attribute some of Jerry's chilling out, so to speak, to McCarthy, right? McCarthy's come in and, and kind of said, hey, like, <laughs> let's be cool here, right? Um, but, Hellman, yesterday on Monday, Mike McCarthy himself says, yeah, you know, I'm going to need to see Dak Prescott practice for an entire week. That's a little bit of McCarthy showing his cards in ways that we haven't seen before. What, what do you, like, do you think this is just McCarthy posturing? Do you think it's just talk? Do you think it's just him being frank? I mean, you've had a better read on McCarthy than a lot of people. Um, well, I, I do think you took the words out of my mouth, though, with, with talking about Mike McCarthy and his general approach to injuries leading into this. Um, we've always seen him generally be pretty pretty conservative and cautious with handling injuries, and that's one thing that has really stuck out to me about him. Regardless of all the other stuff with on-field results, he cares about the players, and he wants to make sure that if they're going out there, they're fully ready. We saw last week with Michael Gallup. Um, you know, Everybody made it seem like he was going to come back in that game. And then he just wasn't quite feeling ready. And they said, well, well, let's not push it. And I think that's what gives me confidence here with Dak, too, is McCarthy saying, like, he needs a full week of practice. We need to know for sure that he's going to be ready. So I'm feeling very confident that if Dak is going out there, it's because McCarthy knows that not only does he think he's ready, but he's already shown in practice that he's ready. Um, and I think uh, as far as you know, with, with Jerry, what he's saying in, in, in the media, I think part of that also does, there is a dynamic there with Mike McCarthy of like, he's won three games with a backup quarterback when everyone thought they were going to be probably 0-4 by now. So he has a little bit more sway when he gets in that meeting room with Jerry and he's like, all right, we're going we're gonna to take it a little easier with, with uh, Dak right now. Um, and that also plays into Jerry with, they have one, so he doesn't need to sell it as much like LP was saying. Um, but I do think that it gives Mike McCarthy just a little bit more influence when he's talking to Jerry, being able to say, we've won three in a row. Why don't we listen to some of the other things I'm saying? Mm, well said. Okay. Uh, we have two main points that we're going to get to now that we've gotten this Dak rush thing out of the way. Um, shout out to Tony for keeping this cool because based on the chat, it really seemed like he was going to lose it. Uh, but before we do, Joey has brought this up. He says, RJ, y'all have been killing the Cowboys front office. You have to admit now they knew what they were doing. I would like each of you, I'll go first to set you up. I would like each of you to give us a percentage that you believe the Cowboys deserve credit and a percentage that you believe everything that happened or a percentage that you attribute everything that has happened so far to luck. Um, so what percent was playing? What percent was skill and what percent was luck? Because to the luck point as, as one example, Jerry said himself recently, I wonder if I did the fan that they didn't anticipate Jason Peters being able to play guard. That kind of worked out for them. They did not plan on Tyler Smith being their star left tackle right away. This all kind of fell into place the right way. I will say it's been about 51% luck and about 49% skill. That's my own personal take on it. I, I know that some people might feel that that's harsh, but Noah Brown coming out of nowhere, good for him. Proud of Noah Brown, but that was completely unexpected. I mean, I know he had a great training camp. You know, that's awesome and good for him. Brett Maher, he was their third option at kicker. He has been one of the more reliable kick players on the team, but they wanted Jonathan Garibay to work out. They wanted Lareem Hyruluhu to work out. Brett Maher came in on a chance, and he has worked out wonderfully for them. Cooper Rush, I mean, good for him. He had the one start last year, and now we'll never, ever be able to disparage Cooper Rush ever again and fair, you know, to the process for that point. But that was a risky bet. I mean, the Cowboys have not taken backup quarterback seriously. They trusted themselves and good for them. But there was not a huge sample size to work off of here. The guy had one start through six full NFL or five full NFL seasons. I mean, that was not the, the most stable thing to build a foundation on. So I will say it was 51 percent luck, 49 percent skill. Uh, we'll go in reverse uh, counterclockwise order LP. That means you're first. Um. I feel like, by the way, I'm sorry, LP, Ronda Don said 15% concentrated power of will too. That was awesome. I just, <laughs> I really had to get that in there. That was a great for minor shout good. out. So LP. I mean, you could say more like 60, 40, because I think I said it on Twitter today, I said, you can give them credit for not signing Gregory, not keeping Gregory and you know, by proxy, Dorrance Armstrong, you can fault them and call them lucky for hanging on to tank Lawrence. That's luck. Cause he almost got rid of him to your point. 
So 60-40, I mean, that's a big part of it. Also, the emergence of Donovan Wilson, keeping Wilson around, keeping him in tow. Um, Mukuamu, because look, Izzy is not getting a lot of respect, and he should. Like, Izzy's playing really well. So give Izzy that respect as well. So I think a lot of it is luck. And just, hey, these guys we don't think much of are working out. Even Tyre Smith playing left tackle, like you said. So a lot of it seemed to work out just based on their favors. I say 60-40, but. So you're saying 60 luck, the the majority being luck. luck. Okay, 60 luck. Johnny Boy RN Brandon says, what the front office has benefited from 70% luck and coaching showed up the rest. The moves made by this front office remain impractical to LP's point, Brandon. Okay, cool. Yeah. I mean, I hate the point, by the way. Oh, Randy Gregory's hurt. Good job by the Cowboys. Like nobody saw that coming. Like nobody's rooting for this dude to get hurt. That's just unfortunate. But Brandon, I mean, Matt, like this defense is awesome. They could have also had Randy Gregory. <laughs> like, like you can have it all. So Brandon, your percentages. I'm going to go I'm, – I'm actually a little bit higher. I'm 45, 45 lock, 55% skill. So, I mean, it's 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 almost close to yours, RJ. I feel like they've, they've fallen into a few things. Like like you said, Jason Peters, you know, he's going to be a Hall of Fame left tackle, and they kind of fell into the fact that he's going to be – he's playing decent at left guard from the small sample size that we've seen. And then also Cooper Rush, I mean, that, that that's a little bit of luck too. But I, I would also say it's a little bit of skill because he's sure. been around the program – you know, long enough. I mean, obviously he had a little brief stop with the Giants, but overall he's been with the, he's been with the Cowboys. He's been in the program. They, they know what they, they, they know what they had in, uh, in Cooper rush. That's why everyone was like, Oh, let's, let's, uh, let's get Will Greer in there. When the Cowboys all along knew that Cooper rush, they, they felt comfortable enough to uh, hand him the keys while, while Dak was uh, healing up. And then yes, Randy Gregory, that's another point. I mean, that, that was a tricky situation. It, unfortunately, it, you know, it, it worked out the way that it did. And unfortunately for, for Randy, he's, he's dealing with a recent, uh, recent injury. I think he's on a two- to six-week uh, timeline for, for, an, uh, for injury. So, I mean, that's kind of a bad luck for him. And, and we, we, here's the other lucky part, too, is, is Dorrance Armstrong. I mean, a lot of people kind of wrote him off for, you know, for the last couple of years. And, and Dorrance has played very well. And then uh, to, uh, to LP's point, Izzy's been playing well. And that's just an example, like Donovan Wilson a six-round pick not that long ago. The Cowboys had so much so much uh, draft capital on the roster at this point. You have to give the, the front office a little bit of credit for the, the skill that they have in the scouting department to have these guys on the roster. Yes, there's been a few misses thus far with, with Josh Ball, and, and we don't know what's going to happen with Will Letzko. He's still, he's still, you know, it, we'll see where he is to be determined. So overall, it's, it's, to me, it's, it's, a, it's a 45 luck, 55% skill. It's it's a little bit of both. I feel like I feel like it, it. You know, I wouldn't tip it too far to like seventy thirty. I think I think fifty five forty five is about right. Hellman, they went into the season with the plan at swing tackle being Josh Ball and Matt Waletsko. Neither players were options they seriously considered when Tyron Smith got hurt. Your percentages? Um, I mean, I'm going to feel like a bit of a pessimist here because my percentage is ninety percent luck and ten percent skill. I feel like everything well, so that they to set, did... To set you up, Hellman, Joey says in the chat, what is the bad move the front office has made? So if you can cover that as well. Like everything that they did in the <laughs> offseason didn't work. I mean, RJ kind of summed up a lot of it. They're, they're you know, the kicker, the swing tackle. Um, I mean, two people have mentioned Randy Gregory, but and Jerry Jones was saying earlier in the week, like, Dorrance Armstrong is so great. That's why I knew we were okay to let Randy Gregory go. You offered him a contract and he turned you down. Like you were trying to bring him back. Like he was part of your plan initially and it didn't work out. So you failed to bring him back. Uh, you failed to get good compensation for Mari Cooper. Um, horribly misread the wide receiver market when you decided to trade him away too. Didn't bring anyone in aside from James Washington. He hasn't played yet. Um, your whole plan on offense was, well, Dak Prescott is that good. He's going to elevate the entire offense. He goes out week one. So then you have to find some other way to elevate the offense. And then, with all the other guys that have developed on defense, like I agree, Israel McQuamu has been great. A lot of these guys on defense have been great. Um, that I think most of the credit for that should go to Will McClay, who handles a lot of the scouting and drafting, and also to Dan Quinn, who is just an absolute wizard back there in the in the on the defense. He finds ways to fit the scheme to these players, which is something we haven't seen here in Dallas for a while. Um, where where in that does the credit actually go to Stephen and Jerry? Because to me, it seems like everything that they try to do failed miserably and then other people are picking up the slack for them that's a tough act to follow tom um ethan says but we sit here at three and one without our franchise quarterback tom i would add 
um, that a lot of the credit for that, at least I know Hellman and I agree, goes to Mike McCarthy, the same head coach whose fate Jerry Jones openly dangled as the offseason began. You could argue that, you know, choosing not to move on from him was another stroke of luck. Tom, your percentages. Yeah, I'm probably going to catch a lot of flack for this, but I think it's only about 35% luck and 65% skill. On Look this. at that. The most optimistic person here, sunshine and rainbows, Ryle. Well, I just, I look at things like everybody says, well, Noah Brown came from nowhere. The scouting, the, the coaching staff knew him. There are people that have known him for years. They knew what Donovan Wilson was capable of. I think they had an idea what Dorrance Armstrong could bring to the table. And, and I think they knew that like Quentin Bohana was coming on. I think they believed in Terrence still far more than we did. And yet, has Terrence still been a problem this season, really? Uh, you know, the, 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 the Tyler Smith thing, there's an element of luck in that, but it was just that he was even better than they thought. Uh, now, there are some things that they did just get lucky on that Jason Peters didn't sign somewhere else before they needed him, uh, you know, and, and, and there's always a certain amount of, of of chance involved you never know for sure how things are going to work out but i think there was more calculation going on and as has been mentioned it wasn't necessarily in the ownership suite there's a lot of other people that have a lot to do with this team uh we we always are wondering about the mix of how much the coaching staff has to do with the uh, personnel decisions, but I have to think that there were some people making good choices. Remember, they didn't turn over anything really on the coaching staff, so we had continuity. And so I ha think we have to give credit to the, the staff of the Cowboys for having at least had better plans than we realized. Uh, um. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Tom, you, you caught both ends of the spectrum here. AJ says, Tom, bring in the facts and heat with a fire and a crown emoji. Uh, meanwhile, <laughs> Johnny Boy RN says, Tom, 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 Tommy, you started so well, minus 10 points. Um, again, the, the, the scoring system is somewhat at the, at the subject of, uh, of the live audience. Um, Ethan does thank you for being his voice. Tony, uh, finish us off. Uh, we've, we've had answers all over the place. Um, how do you feel? Yeah, I, I usually um, lean on the side of optimism here, but I'm going to say 70% luck. And, and you, you guys kind of touched on a few of these things that kind of made me scratch my head a little bit. Like, if they were so sure about Noah Brown and his development, why bring James Washington in, right? They luck into mm. Jason... They bring they they luck into Jason Peters, right? Because they bring him in and say, okay, well, he's going to be the left tackle. We'll have Tyler Smith stay a left guard. And then Tyler Smith, you know, not luckily, you know, he does well and plays left tackle. So that's a good problem to have. But then they're sitting there scratching the head going, hey, uh, Jason, can you play guard? Like, you know what I mean? How's, how's guard sound? And then it's like if Brett Maher is doing so well and you knew that and that wasn't luck at all, why was he the third one to be brought in? So that's a, those are things that have been a big part of this team that you're like, Man, this team got pretty damn lucky to be sitting here. And then we, a lot of us, you know, obviously myself included, we're, we're like, okay, is Will Greer going to get a fair shake at this? It's like, okay, we're fine with Cooper Rush being steady Eddie, 
you know, that's fine. But I don't think anybody on God's green earth thought that this man was going to come in here and win the first four starts of his life, you know? So it just, some, maybe you get lucky with the way the schedule sets up because, you know, kind of look at what we have ahead of us right now, where we have the Rams and the Eagles. Like, what's the schedule look like if, if it wasn't the way it kind of set up in the first month of the season? I think we all agree that Dak Prescott would have the same exact start, in my opinion. You, the teams that Rush were beating, Dak Prescott would have smoked them. But, I, I yes, you got to give credit where it's due in some instances, but I think a lot of this, they kind of tripped and fall into a goal mine a little bit. Hellman, I know you had one final point. I would just add that, I think they also have benefited from, I mean, like we sit here and it's easy to kind of talk ourselves into them, right? Like because of the way the NFL looks, but like they didn't, to your point, they misread the receiver market. They had no clue that the NFL was going to be kind of trash through four weeks. Like there's, there's like two teams that we all think are really, really good. Other than that, it's just kind of like, a, okay, who's going to be not terrible this week, but how many, your final point. Yeah. Going through thinking of all the other things that they, you know, tried to do this offseason that hasn't worked out. Jalen Tolbert. I mean, we, we, they were hyping him up so much like hey he's he's gonna be the guy he's gonna have a great rookie year and that's like him cd lamb and you Jabril know cox was, was a healthy scratch early on and they played a lot cox around a him healthy scratch jalen tolbert finally makes his nfl debut a week later he's back on the inactive just another another in a long list of offseason things that they tried that has not worked out and yet somehow they're they're three and one and they're in a good position so they get to pat themselves on the back and say let's do it again next year um LP, I'm going to ask you this last question. Could you say that maybe they, like, they, I mean, we're through an incredibly small sample size, but would you say that, that Jake Ferguson and Peyton Hendershot have played well enough to where if they hadn't franchise tagged Dalton Schultz, they'd be fine? Like, you know, because you could argue that that maybe was, yeah, was a miscalculation. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, the, look, I thought Schultz was disposable. I thought that. I put up the tweet about it's not about him himself. It's about the production the opportunity. And lo and behold, you see the opportunity, right? Like, you need those guys in the game without them. And they both combined for one huge play, a key block here. Yeah, that they didn't luck out. I mean, they could have not tagged them been just fine with what they had. I totally agree with that, 100%. Mm. All right, so let's move on. Um, we're about halfway through here. Let's get to our two main questions. Tony, you are going to pick who's going to go first here. We're going to start optimistic. Um, what are you least worried about when it comes to the Cowboys? So, Tony, you're going to pick who goes first. Whoever answers, when you're done, you're going to pick who goes next. Tony, spin the wheel for us. Uh, I'm going to go Howman. The thing that I'm least worried about is this Cowboys secondary. Um, they have shown improvement all across the board. Trayvon Diggs in particular, he's playing much more clean. He's not, he's not playing as risky, but he's still able to take advantage of his great ball skills. Um, you know, Deron Bland coming in and play in almost all of the snaps this, this past game with very little notice and playing a good game, getting an interception in the fourth quarter. Uh, and then these safeties, I mean, Malik Hooker is looking like a very, very good deep safety playing back there. He's really doing a lot of work erasing the back end of this defense. Uh, Israel Mukwamu for three games now has stepped into the role that J. Ron Curse has played. And he's, uh, I mean, he hasn't necessarily jumped off the film, but he's played really well and he's done done good for, not really playing much at all last year. Um, and so I'm just, I feel really good about this secondary. I feel uh, there's not going to be too many passing attacks that they face this year that are really going to be uh, picking them apart and, and taking advantage of them. And in a passing league, even though numbers are down this year, but in a passing league, that's, that's a good asset to have. So who goes next? Way to follow instructions. Uh, I'm going to go, let's go with LP. All right. So, I mean, great starting point talking about the secondary. Great call about Malik Hooker. Uh, it's probably low-hanging fruit. But overall, I'm least worried about the depth of the pass rush. There's so many guys you have there. So you have Tank Lawrence. You have uh, Micah. You have Fowler playing really well. You have Sam Williams throwing guys in other guys. They have a lot of depth to rush the passer. And it's been like that for a minute. So the creativity of Dan Quinn to line them up is fantastic. The interior guys are getting a good push. That being whether it's Tank inside or Osa Digizul or Neville Gallimore, they're set across that D line. And whoever wants to get some can get it. And it's just a board meeting every week at the quarterback. So the depth on the D line is top notch right now. And I'm not worried about it whatsoever. If a guy like Sam misses time, you know, Lord forbid. But other than that, they're really deep on the D line. And that's a great look for right now. And then I'm going to hand it off to the, uh, to the OG, Tom. 
Yeah, I'd have to say the thing that I'm least worried about and that I was pro I'm probably most surprised about being least worried about is the future of left tackle. Uh, you know, everyone was kind of sitting there. You know, we've been wondering for years how long Tyron Smith's body could hold out. And Tyler Smith just came in and has opened eyes. He's been far better uh, than we thought he would be, especially when he didn't even practice the position during training camp. Uh, I think he could be settling in for a long run. Uh, let's all knock on wood that his health remains very good. And I, I just was not expecting to be sitting here at this point saying, man, we are set at the left tackle position. And by the way, RJ, are you in this to get it tossed to you? Because I'd love to hear what you're least worried about. Um, I think the answer is coaching. Um, I'm, I mean, I really trust Mike McCarthy. I, obviously, I think everybody really trusts Dan Quinn. John Fossil, I think, come around on. John needed to chill out a little bit at, after that first season. Um, still kind of out on Kellen Moore, but I do kind of trust that McCarthy will figure that out. Like, I, everybody gets on McCarthy for, for being this, like, bus driver, manager, whatever. Well, he's kind of, like, managing it well. You know what I mean? Like, he's kind of got everybody's ducks in a row, and I, I think he deserves credit for that. I will say, um, so maybe this is, like, right in the fence, I'm, I'm panicked that, that the Cowboys are going to move on from him because he, he's not the, the sexy option. He, he doesn't have the Sean Payton appeal. They're going to feel like this is the moment we have to do this now. I mean, he is proving to be one of the more stable and consistent people that has been in that building in a very long time like forget the fact that he's the head coach and so um i i really trust him i that doesn't mean that i agree with him entirely i did not like the end of first half sequence in new york as an example um but i'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt i was so out on him after the way they lost to the 49ers in the playoffs and all the complaining and the pointing fingers and penalties and things like that but i mean this dude buckled down and got to work and i think he deserves a lot of credit for that and i'm, I'm upset that people are are just will, so willing to stick to their priors that they won't give it to him uh but brandon your answer i mean i'm least worried about it. it's kind of an obvious choice i mean it's micah parsons i mean the cowboys have arguably one of the uh, the great players in the league these days he's the he's the this generation's uh lawrence taylor so i mean we're, we're in good shape there I, I just the way he plays just the way he affects the game I don't care about stats. I know, I know everyone's expecting him to get, you know, two sacks every game. So even though he doesn't always fill up the stat sheet, he's helping the other players out and team. I mean, look at Demarcus Lawrence. He had a three sack game, which he could have had more just the past Monday night. So it, to me, Micah Parsons, as long as Micah Parsons wants to play football, Jerry Jones is going to give him the Brinks truck every time he gets a new contract, because I do not see Micah Parsons ever leaving the Cowboys. Jerry Jones will make sure he does not leave the Cowboys. That's just, He's just that great of a player. He's a generational talent. And the Cowboys, I guess in this case, they fell into him in, in the draft because they, they moved back with a third-round pick, and they still got Micah Parsons. So it's a little bit of luck, and then they hedged their bets on him. And it's just, been, it's just been a fun ride so far. Tony, last, even though you started this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when, when you're on a panel with uh, five other people that uh, know what they're talking about, it makes it a little bit of a challenge. So I apologize if my answer isn't as great as y'all's. But uh, Tony's fishing thing... for points. Tony knows the game, people. All right, pay attention. <laughs> I'm a veteran here. Um, so my thing is, I, I, I think it's Dan Quinn. I think that's the uh, – you said the coaching staff and, and David said the secondary and Brandon said Michael Parsons. These you're all cheating that... is what you're saying, right? Understand. No, I would – my thing is, as long as Dan Quinn is scheming up that defense week to week, it, it, to me, the pieces are almost like it doesn't matter because we've seen what Mike Nolan couldn't do with this defense. Now Dan Quinn inserts his type of guys in there and the way that he schemes it up and uses Micah Parsons as a chess piece. And, you know, he gets creative in the middle of that defense in the front seven. Um, as long as Dan Quinn is able to, you know, put this together, I, I'm absolutely certain this defense will be top notch uh, moving forward for this entire year. Tom, who had the best answer that wasn't yours? Uh, <laughs> I'll be down there campaigning on this the side. Uh, I liked Howman's answer. I really did. I mean, yeah, the, the secondary is just killing it out there. Um, wow. Okay. Halman, how do you feel that you were chosen? You were you were kissed by by the gods. I feel I feel fortunate and blessed. <laughs> okay, Halman, that means you get to start us off with what are you most worried about, and get to pick obviously who goes next afterwards. Go. 
Um, well, it's it's kind of a nice companion piece because I'm I was least worried about the secondary. I'm most worried about the run defense. Um, you know, the run defense has been, I think, probably the worst part about this team through four games. Um, Washington was running it really well. They just kept, you know, when they did pass it, Carson Wentz did Carson Wentz things or they had penalties and they couldn't con- commit to running it kind of like the Cowboys in week one with their offense. Um, but when teams have actually buckled down and run the ball against this defense so far, they've had a lot of success. Uh, right now, the Cowboys through four games, they rank 25th in the league and run defense DVOA. Uh, they're not doing very good at stopping the run. They get very leaky at times. And looking at the next four games on their schedule, I mean, they play the Rams, who have not run it well this year, but Sean McVay is definitely, his scheme is built around running the ball. And that's a kind of scheme that has exploited this defense before. Then after that, the Eagles are a huge running team. Then you have the Lions, who are the most explosive rushing team right now. And then the Bears, the one thing that they have done well so far this year has been running the ball. So you've got four four opponents in a row that like their bread and butter is running and this defense hasn't been able to stop it. And so that's definitely what I'm most worried about, especially over these next four weeks. Mm. Okay. Pass the baton. Let's go with let's go with Tom since he said nice things about me. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually I've got kind of a, a mirror image of yours because what I'm concerned about is the Cowboys' own running game, but not so much because I'm worried about Zeke or Tony, or about the blocking of the offensive line. I'm worried about something Kellen Moore said just today, that you've got to stick with the running game. And I hate that kind of thinking. In the NFL, if you're going to have one aspect of your offense that works well and succeed, it's got to be the passing game. Uh, I think that if they keep going with the run when it doesn't work, rather than going to the pass to maybe loosen things up and then get you some runs further down, it could be a problem. But we saw the running game just kind of shrill up again last week, and I think there were times when they were still trying to keep making it work, when they should have just been letting Rush get out there and see what it he could accomplish in moving the ball down the field. And then every now and then him with a draw play or something, a little sweep, and, and get a get the ball on the ground and see if they could open up a little hole. And I, I just that's I'm just always scared about them about Kellen particularly taking that that cautious approach at the wrong moment when they need to get out there. So I just I kind of really uh I kind of feel that that's something that I, I am a little bit concerned about, and I'm waiting to see how it's going to play off. And I'll kick this one over to LP now, and let's see what he's got to think. Yeah, I mean, to that point, though, I think the same thing. Not so much the running game as far as uh, the commitment to it, which is a, is a concern based on the balance. They're, they're very balanced, and Kellen Moore is just – he's playing at 50-50 as best as he can. Like, he's being told to do that. But I'm more so worried about the red zone efficiency. A lot of these games, they get down the red zone and they're not scoring. It's a lot of field goals. There's a lot of counting on Maher, who's been great. But you're going to play teams who are very explosive themselves, and, and like Brandon said, in a variety of different ways. So it's, if it's the Lions that are explosive in the running game, you got a problem. They just dropped, what, 38 points last week. Um, their output is high. So you're going to face teams that can score. So you have to be able to score in the red zone. And right now, I'm very concerned about them not scoring in the red zone and not finishing drives. That's a big problem for me is the red zone. We need touchdowns badly. And I'll hand it off to Tony. Yeah, um, for me, I, I, my answer may not be popular among some of the people, but I'm still I'm still nervous. In All the right, Tony, just, just have an answer. I mean, geez, without a couch, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> I don't get the reference, but <laughs> um, <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't a reference. Um, so I'm like I said, excuse me. <laughs> Um, the offensive line, I'm still worried about it. I think um, a lot of their deficiencies are being masked by the fact that Cooper Rush is getting the ball out as quick as possible. I, th- I still think that left guard is an issue. Um, uh, Matt Farniak isn't the answer. Um, Connor McGovern, I never thought he was the answer. And then it's going to come down to is Jason Peters going to be able to hold up at a spot that he's unfamiliar and, and has now played what? 34 snaps in his career there. So um, for him to be the, the the answer left guard, I'm a little nervous. I think Terrence Steele is fine, but like you're not going to talk about Terrence Steele more than that, right? He's just fine. I think the same breath you could say about Tyler Biotish. I think Tyler Biotish has had a – he's done some nice things, but there's nobody out there other than Zach Martin that has like you fully comfortable. When you get into the into – the, 
playing good teams and you get playoff style football, those are good pass rushes. Those are good defenses. Those are, those are teams that are going to be able to attack those deficiencies. So I'm still worried about to see how this offensive line develops. And we've already seen it cost Dak once in the, in the in week one, but, and we've seen it, what it did last year in the playoffs against the 49ers. So uh, I think the offensive line is still a, a bit of a question mark. I got to pass it off to Brandon, right? <laughs> Tony, good job not forgetting. Good job, Tony. Tony, you stole my thunder, dude. I was literally, I had it all lined up for the offense line. I hate to piggyback, but I, I have to piggyback on it, Tony. I, I, I was looking up some stats earlier today about the offensive line, and the st- the sack numbers are really misleading in the, in the box score because Cooper Rush has not been sacked very much. But if you look at the actual numbers, the actual from snap to pass or snap to pressure, the Cowboys are dead last in the league. They're tied, actually, believe it or not, with uh, Tom Brady's offensive line. It's it's 2.1 seconds from snap to either pressure or pass. So that kind of goes with, like you said, Cooper Rush getting the ball out as quick as he is. And that and Kellen Moore, you have to give Kellen Moore a little bit of credit because they're, he's, he's telling Cooper, this is how the offensive line is. you got to get the ball out quick. So you're seeing a lot of quick reads. And the thing I have to say in, in, in defense with, with Cooper Rush is he's very decisive about it. So there hasn't been those mistakes. So that's been, that's been another piece of it. And going along with the offense line a little bit further is I also would say the running game has masked it a little bit too because Zeke, Zeke and Tony Pollard have both gotten – it's not sexy numbers, but they've gotten four yards on average per carry if you average it out for the season – when there could have been either a, a zero gain or negative yardage. And that's because the offensive line is just not creating enough space to get those holes and let, let Zeke and Tony get those big yards. Now I also want to add Jason Peters is, you know, that like, what, what are we doing here? I, I know we, we just signed him. His snap, his snap increases have gone from, I think week three, it was in the 20% range. And then just past week, in, uh, in week four, it was in the 30% range. So, yes, we're seeing a, a slight increase in play. I don't want to see 20, 30% of Jason Peters. I want to see 100% Jason Peters at left guard. And I want to see, obviously, Tyler Smith left, uh, left tackle. You got, you got Jason Peters left guard, Biotish uh, at center, obviously Zach Martin right guard, and then Terrence Steele at right tackle. Because here's the thing. We need to have that interior solid and ready to go because last time I checked, the Rams are on the docket. And there's a guy named Aaron Donald that's going to be coming after everybody. So you got to have Jason Peters in there to help out against a guy named Aaron Donald. Nobody passed it to me. Wow, no big deal. Um, oh, not, like, not, like, our- not like points are up for grabs or anything like that. I will say um, I'm going to sound like Tony here. This might be unpopular. Uh, you know, nobody might agree with it or, or whatever. Get to the, the answer. Um, <laughs> nice, Tony. I, let me be very clear here. If all Dak Prescott could do was put the ball on the ground and then, you know, bend down and push it forward with his face mask, he would still be a more functional quarterback for this team than Cooper Rush, to be very certain and very clear about this. Now, that being said, I'm worried. I mean, we we kind of haven't seen Dak, right? Like, we, we really, like, at all. And and the second half of last season was bad. To your point earlier, Hellman, it was still superior to, to what we're seeing with Cooper Rush, but – I think we're allowing ourselves to daydream a little bit. Tony, you've talked about like when you let your mind wander when you're driving or something like that, that the Dak is going to come back and be the guy from the first half of last season. What if he's not? Like that, that was a question to ask as, as this season was beginning and, and it got off kind of on a left-footed start. So what if he doesn't come back? Then this is, we all agree this, this style of play in all likelihood isn't sustainable, right? Like, and, and so I'm not you know, proposing that Dak is, is going to be equivalent to Cooper Rusher, but if he's not capable of elevating this team, then they have a ceiling that, that is something that I don't think that any of us anticipated or expected. And that's, that's probably my deepest, darkest, like most insecure fear when it comes to this team. Tom. You just kind of looped this back around to the beginning. Uh, where Tom, the that's whole... what I'm doing here. It's all about yes. symmetry. Yeah, you know, getting back to it. Because... Everything. Welcome, welcome to the idea of the podcast, Tom. Yeah. Welcome aboard. <laughs> but, you know, do we really want Dak Prescott to, to debut against the Philadelphia Eagles, the only undefeated team in the NFL. Yes, yes, a hundred percent. Okay, are you sure? Be what you just the, said? The, the moment you start, like, look to be very clear, this is my like deep, dark, insecure fear. I don't think this is going to happen, but it is existing in the world of possibilities. But like, the moment you start thinking the way you're thinking, the moment you got to move on, because if you think that he's not ready to, like, he can't be the guy you turn to in like the most tense moment of all time, then he's not your franchise quarterback anymore, in my mind. 
Tony. In, in this Tony. just in this just like him coming out of preseason when everything was just not looking good and how he's just no. gone back to being idle again and now he's got to come back. I would rather see him go out there against the Lions or the Bears myself. I just he's, think that, I, that, if, that if this was Trevor Lawrence in year two, maybe and he was going through the same situation, maybe fine. Dak is, is tried and true. He's he's experienced. He has seen you know, the, the most intense things that you can offer at the NFL level. Um, so, I mean, again, I'm nervous that, that he's going to be the player that he, he was over the second half of last year, but that existed before week one. Um, I mean, and that would suck. That would, that would suck. I mean, that would change a lot of the future. Um, so it wouldn't just impact this season, but no, I mean, I, if I'm with Tony, like the moment Dak is like hundred percent healthy, I don't care if it's Saturday night, like he, the panic at the disco song, like he goes off on Sunday. If, if that's what happens, because he's the guy like we all believe he's one of like Tom do you think that Dak is one of the seven best quarterbacks in the NFL yeah when he's healthy and, and fully okay ready so to go. do you think Cooper Rush is one of the 25 best quarterbacks in the NFL you know he might be close <laughs> <laughs> you look at some of the quarterbacks out there you may have wanted to make that number a little smaller but so like yeah, that's what i'm he's saying though definitely like at the bottom. but who cares like if you have a top 10 quarterback and he's ready to go you play him like I, I don't care who it is against what opponent what time what weird uniform you're wearing i know we had a comment about the commander's uniforms a little while ago i mean I, like that's my mindset i tony nailed that uh in my mind lp you had some thoughts I mean, look, I don't play scary football. I don't. I'm not. If he could have played, and I said this, uh, I think, last night during the game, if you're not trying to play Dak because of Aaron Donald, then what are we doing? Agreed. Like, what, what, what are we doing? Like, all that scary stuff, being afraid of Aaron Donald and the Rams, I'm not buying that stuff. I'm not with that stuff. I don't subscribe to being afraid of playing football. This is what we do. This is their sport. This is their endeavor. Like, this is what they do. So if he wants to play, he can do it. He's healthy. This whole mental rust thing, I'm not buying that mental rust thing because the guy broke his leg, came back week one, and destroyed the Bucks. He filleted the Bucks off a broken ankle, leg, whatever, whichever it was, no preseason, no time on the field, and he killed him. So this whole thing of, oh, he broke his hand, we have to see how he is, and all, all respect to, to the OG Obi-Wan Kenobi. But really, you play the man, you pay the man, let's go with it. Let's rock. Let's play. So that means, Tony, you are um, Anakin, I think, in this um in this situation, you know, I'll take it. And my, my whole Do you thing know is, that reference because I know you yeah. haven't seen any movies ever. <laughs> yeah, I haven't, I haven't either. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm familiar. Um, but my my whole thing is, um, for Dak Prescott, it's 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 simply this, right? It, I want to go against, and I'm not like LP said. I don't want to be scared. I don't want to play scared football here. If he's ready to go, I want my best shot against the, the Eagles, who right now look like you know. It's you should undeniable. want your best shot against the Bears. Anybody, like who, yeah. yeah. Like if we played the Little Giants, I'd still want Dak Prescott out there. So like, <laughs> there's a movie reference for you, but <laughs> but yeah. So like, I want Dak Prescott out there the moment he is able to play. Like, I don't want to do the well. Hey, Dak, yo, take one more week. Rush looks good. I hope Rush looks good. I hope Rush looks great. But guess what? As soon as Dak's ready, it's Dak's team again. And and there's a real possibility we can face the Eagles and they're undefeated. And, and if we lose to the Rams, uh, you know, we're facing the Eagles with some real separation possibilities to lose to the Eagles. So I, I want to go out there. I'm more afraid of what it looks like without him than what it does with him being a little rusty. Brandon, I know you have a point, but, and, you know, Tom, I know your point is like, and maybe yours too, Brandon, like, well, what if he comes back, he looks bad against the Eagles? Okay, that's one end of the spectrum, sure, and that would be an annoying week, but what if he comes back and slays the Eagles? What if he fillets them to use LPs where? What if the Eagles are undefeated, Dak Prescott shows up on Sunday Night Football, the stage he left on, and just is back? I mean, like, would th that would be an incredible, that would be Nirvana, wouldn't it, Brandon? Yeah, absolutely. Be I mean, that, that would definitely be Nirvana, but I'm just going to say this. I want Dak out there 100%. But again, the key part is 100%. I don't want any risk, any any risk out there at this point. I want 100% Dak Prescott. So if he can get one, I want a week. Of, I want a week of, of practice, of good practice before he plays. That's just how I look at it. I just want to make sure he can grip the ball. He can grip it and rip it, as they say. I just want Dak to be 100%. Anything less, I don't really want him out there at this point because we're, we're, we got to remember we're three and one. So let, let's let's put that out there. We're three and one. So let's 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 pump the brakes a little bit. Let's say let's see how he does. Let's do one week of practice, and let's you know if Dak's 100%, roll him out. But if he ain't 100%, I want I'll I'll keep Cooper rushing for now.
Mike Tell McCarthy me. said that though. Mike McCarthy said he's going to have to take a full week of practice, and a full week of practice in the NFL is Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So if he goes out there Wednesday, Thursday, Friday before the Eagles, that's a full week of practice. Yeah, yeah, that's, um, I'm totally, I'm totally fine with that, Tony. That's it has it has to be. There's got to be enough practice time. I don't want to to, to what you guys were saying earlier. I don't want it to be Saturday night and he's magically feeling better and he's playing Sunday. I just I, I don't I don't think that's a good idea. That's just my opinion. Halman, um, if Tom will allow it, tie a bow on this and make everything, you know, come together in a nice, perfect, beautiful, wonderful way. Um, well, I, I think a lot of other people have made the point, like, you know, if, if you don't if you don't trust Dak Prescott to go out there and play against the Eagles, if, if you're believing that they're this big, bad team, then what are you even doing keeping him keeping him in as your franchise quarterback? Um, I would also say I just fundamentally disagree with the idea of like wanting to keep him for a later game because personally I think I think the Lions are going to be a tougher matchup than the Eagles. I think the Cowboys are going to be well positioned to to handle the handle the Eagles, um, and they may even be well positioned for the Rams this week. I think the Lions are a more explosive team. I think they have uh, more things working for them, even though their record uh, indicates otherwise. So I just I just really disagree with this idea of of which team is the easier team to play against. If, if you have your quarterback, you know, this is a quarterback driven league. If you have Dak Prescott out there, you have a chance. Tom, who do you think should be the BTB roundtable winner tonight? I would just say Tony, because he brought some <laughs> fire and some passion. I mean, maybe some of his arguments might've been off, but I just like Tony. Tony, who would you say should be the roundtable winner? You know what? Outside of Leighton Van Ash, I like what Hamann says a lot of the time. So, <laughs> um, old school listeners will know what he means. Hamann, who do you think should win the roundtable tonight? Uh, I think I gotta go with Tom because he he took some he took some unpopular opinions, but he he backed it up. Mm. I was hoping that you were going to say Brandon or LP and that the other one would say the other one uh, because the results are in and all of you have won the round table. All right. This was a bit oh, yeah. of a divisive episode. Halman ruined the cool setup I had uh, going on. Uh, hey, but, I got one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, you've hey. had one before, Brandon. Uh, no, let's, no, you know. no, I, I lost to a dog a couple weeks back. So. <laughs> That's right. You would have had it if not for Jess Navarro's, uh, at the time, brand new pup. I mean, it was a very, yeah, pup, yeah. you know, yeah, uh, you know very emotional thing. Uh, for what it's worth, um, Johnny Boy says that LP should have won. Um, so, you know, another vote for somebody else. Ethan says, you're all winners, but Tom is my winner tonight. Ethan also says, yay. So uh, seemingly an agreement that um, everybody winning is a good thing. LP, you're the only person who hasn't spoken about the winners. Do you feel slighted that you have to share this award? Do you also think that Tom should have won along, I guess, with the majority? Um, do you feel like Tony performed well? I mean, uh, Kevin also, by the way, says I would have gone with LP. Man, y'all too nice, but uh, no, Halman, for real. Uh, Halman got it. I <laughs> no mean, love for Tom. Okay. I mean, all due respect, but the, the secondary part was great. Was great. Great monologue, Halman. That, that was a killer. Um, Tony, Kevin says that they thought that he thought there was a no tie rule made earlier in the year. Would you like to respond to Kevin and let him know that the rules do change? That, that, that you got to always be on your toes during the roundtable. This is RJ's world. We're just living in it. <laughs> I wouldn't have put it that way, um, but, you know, hey, uh, it is what it is. So, Brandon, is this better than losing to Jess's dog? Yeah, I'm good with it. I, I'm finally on the board, so I'm, I'm joining these guys. LP comes in the first week and gets a dub, and I, I've been sitting back for, like, for like I don't know, like a month and a half. I'm like, man, LP comes in first night, takes a dub, so I'm glad to be on the board, even if it's with the rest of you guys. You guys all do a great job, and, and I got to give Tony some props because he, he stole my thunder tonight with the offensive line. I Every point you made, that's where I was going. So I had to add a little bit to it. So, uh, you know, everybody everybody did a great job. So I'm okay with the win for everybody. Tom, I will say that it was a five-way tie, which is why you all won. Um, so if you had had the 10 points that, that were taken away from you, you would have won. Uh, so, Johnny Boy, uh, our end notes that you never got out of that hole, you, you started with, you know, you started behind the eight ball, Tom. How do you feel? Do you feel like that was unfair? Oh, I don't expect life to be fair. <laughs> Who is um, that foolish? <laughs> uh, wow. Um, okay. Um, that's 
that's um okay you know we'll just we'll, we'll just we'll just end that's what we'll do um Halman, i would like you to pick somebody and you can pick anybody you want except for me um and yourself who has to make a random noise before we leave and and <laughs> you can pick anybody you want uh but a lot of people thought you should have won so um i'll give you the choice well gosh there's there's so many choices and i could go in so many ways um I'm a traditionalist though, and I gotta go with Tony. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Um, Come on, Tony. What? <laughs> <laughs> what was that, dude? <laughs> Disturbed. It's not like Cole Brown.